the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the uh, the Ride Home here. It's Tuesday. Tuesday edition. Good to see you, Kev. Happy to be here, John. Thank you. Very good. Hey, um, there's been, we talked about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, a, a spate of, I don't want to call them Christian leaders, but... Uh, well, why not? They are Christian leaders. Which, why would you call him a Christian? Why would you call a guy who writes a book a Christian leader? Well, is Josh Harris? I, I don't consider that a Christian leader. Oh yeah, he was a Christian leader. Really? He pastored a huge well, church I, I for years. So. Yeah, I did. And that that was a New York Times the bestselling book. book. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so there's been a spate of. In addition to the fact that he wrote for the Gospel Coalition, there's a lot. Christian leaders. Christian mm-hmm. leaders. Have now Marty aside. Sampson. Uh, so okay, l- let's back up. Yeah. I don't want to be too inside poker about this. Right. Right. But. Uh, if you're not following along with uh, news about faith-based people, I can tell you that there have been several high-profile people who would be influential in their various spheres in Christendom who recently have said, you know what, we are quote-unquote deconstructing. Deconstructing. We're leaving the faith, Right, so we're leaving the faith. We're not sure what we believe anymore, but we know we don't believe that, and so we need to say so publicly. Right. So, uh, so we had we had Josh Harris, who John was speaking of. I kissed dating goodbye. Right. That was his New York Times bestselling book he wrote in the maybe ninety two ninety three. Um, he is a pastor of a big church. He was influential because of his parents in the American homeschooling movement. Right. He was a blogger. He was a writer. I really liked his book, Dug Down Deep. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. So but apparently he, he hadn't dug down deep enough. Right. Marty Sampson is another person. Now, he was a songwriter from Hillsong, uh, an Australian guy who came out maybe a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago and said the same thing. Right. He said, I, I, used to be- I used to believe it, but I don't. Okay, so uh, another Christian leader, John Cooper, right, if we're going to go there. John Cooper, who is the the lead singer for the rock band Skillet. You know, Skillet, uh, I think the, the drummer for the band Skillet uh, lives here in the city of Pittsburgh. What? Yeah. I never knew that. That's true. Why hasn't he been on our show? Um, it's such a great band. Yeah. Well, uh, he used to live in Pittsburgh. His okay. mother comes into a, a place that I know that, um, yeah, it's a whole other story. Okay, tell her to talk to her son and... All right. Give us an introduction. Uh, so John Cooper, who's the lead singer for Skillet, uh, he wrote a piece called What in God's Name is Happening in Christianity? It was put up um, on his uh, Facebook page Tuesday, August 13th, so uh, a couple weeks ago. So he says this. This is a little long piece, but uh, he makes a lot of good points. He says, quote, okay, I'm saying it because it's too important not to. What is happening in Christianity? More and more of our outspoken leaders or influencers who were once faces of the faith are falling away. And at the same time, they are being very vocal and bold about it. Shockingly, they still want to influence others, for what purpose, as they announce that they are leaving the faith. 
I'll state my conclusion. Then I'll state some rebuttals to statements I've read by some of them. Firstly, I never judge people outside my faith. Even if they hate religion or Christianity, this is not my place, and I have many friends who disagree with my religion, and that is 100% fine with me. However, when it comes to people within my faith, there must be a measure of loyalty and friendship and accountability to each other and to the Word of God. My conclusion for the church, all of us Christians, that we must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people the most influential people in Christendom. Mm, Bring it. And yes, that includes people like me. I've been saying for 20 years and seemed probably quite judgmental to some of my peers that we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word. I'm not being rude to my worship leader friends, many who would agree with me, in saying that singers and musicians are good at communicating emotion and feeling. We create a moment and a vehicle for God to speak. However, singers are not always the best people to write solid Bible truth and doctrine. Sometimes we are too young, too ignorant of Scripture, too unaware of, too or too unconcerned about the purity of Scripture and the holiness of God who we are singing to. Have you ever considered the disrespect of singing songs to God that are untrue of his character? I have a few specific thoughts and rebuttals to statements made by recently disavowed church influencers. First of all, I am stunned that the seemingly most important thing for these leaders who have lost their faith is to make such a bold new stance, basically saying, I've been living and preaching boldly something for 20 years and led generations of people with my teachings, and now I no longer believe it. Therefore, I'm going to boldly and loudly tell people it was all wrong while I boldly and loudly lead people to my next truth. I'm perplexed why they aren't embarrassed. Humbled? Sure. Ashamed? Fearful? Confused? Why be so eager to continue leading people when you clearly don't know where you are headed? My second thought is this. Why do people act like being real covers a multitude of sins, as if someone is courageous simply for sharing virtually every thought of dark place? That's not courageous. It's cavalier. Have they considered the ramifications as if they are harbingers of truth saying, quote, I used to think one way and practice it and preach it, but now I've learned all the new truth and will start practicing and preaching it. So the influencer has become the voice for truth in whatever stage of life and whatever evolution takes place in their thinking. Thirdly, there is a common thread running through these leaders and influencers that basically says that no one else is talking about the real stuff. That is just flatly false. I just read today in a renowned worship leader statement, how could a God of love send people to hell? No one talks about it. As if he is the first person to ask this. Brother, you are not that unique. The church has wrestled with this for 1,500 years. Literally, everybody talks about it. Children talk about it in Sunday school. There's like a billion books written on the topic. Just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we are unwilling to wrestle with it. We wrestle with Scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And lastly, and most shockingly, are these as these influencers disavow their faith, they always end their statements with their new insight, new truth. That is basically a regurgitation of Jesus' words. It's truly bizarre and ironic. They'll say, 
I'm disavowing my faith. But remember, love people, be generous, forgive others. Um, why? That is actually not human nature. No child is ever born and says, I just want to love others before loving myself. I want to turn the other cheek. I want to give my money away to others in need. Those are biblical principles taught by a prophet, priest, king of kings who wants us to live to a higher standard, which is not an earthly standard, but rather the kingdom of God standard. Therefore, if Jesus is not the truth, and if the word of God is not absolute, then by preaching Jesus' teachings, you are endorsing the words of a madman, a lunatic who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also said that he was alive before Abraham, and to see him was to see God because he was one with God. So why then would a disavowed Christian leader promote that generosity is good? How would you know what is good without Jesus' teachings? And will your ideas of what is good be different from one year to year based upon your experience, cultural trends, popular opinion, etc.? And furthermore, will you continue year by year to lead others into your ideas of goodness, even though it is not absolute? I'm amazed that so many Christians want the benefit of the kingdom of God, but with the caveat that they themselves will be the king. It is time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the word Mm -hmm. and to value the teachings of the word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion. And what we are seeing now is the result of the church raising up influencers who did not supremely value truth, who have led a generation who also do not believe in the supremacy of truth. And now those disavowed leaders are proudly still leading and influencing boldly away from the truth. Is it any wonder that some of our disavowed Christian leaders are letting go of the absolute truth of the Bible, and subsequently their lives are falling apart. Further and further, they are sinking in the area of the whole sea while shouting, Now I've found the truth. Follow me. Brothers and sisters in the faith all around the world, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, influencers, I implore you, please, Please, in your search for relevancy for the gospel, let us not find creative ways to shape God's word into the image of our culture by stifling inconvenient truths. But rather, let us hold on even tighter to the anchor of the living word of God, for he changes not. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our God stands forever. I am glad to see one of these influencers come out in defense of the authority of Scripture and the importance of a robust faith that can outlast even the harshest of critics. Isn't that fabulous? Wow. That's John Cooper, lead singer for Skillet, responding to the litany of recent apostasies of young Christian leaders.
101.5 WORD. The reason why the Christian church is so weak is because we have abandoned the primacy of the authority of the Word of God and we have gotten hooked on feelings. Dr. Michael Youssef. The reason why we have ceased to be the conscious of society is because we have stopped saying, thus there's the Lord, and no matter who likes it or doesn't like it. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't chase trends. We focus on one thing, quality. We only use the highest quality materials to build our mattresses and box springs. And we put all of our products through the ringer, testing new designs and materials at our test center in Cleveland, Ohio. If a new feature or technology doesn't offer a true benefit, we don't put it in our products. At the Original Mattress Factory, our focus is on what makes a great mattress, not a great markup. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Sleep impacts your ability to focus, learn, and solve problems. But according to Harvard Medical School, only 11% of American college students are sleeping well. At the Original Mattress Factory, we can't guarantee that your college student won't stay up until 3 a.m. cramming before a big exam. But we can provide a hand-built, high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price when they are finally ready to get some rest. Visit an Original Mattress Factory store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. The widely popular book, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, is in theaters. What does actress Kate Blanchett say is one of her favorite relationships in the film? There's a, a cataclysmic relationship that she has with her neighbor from her perspective, a busybody parent at the school. And often the person that you have the most antagonistic relationship you have a lot of in common with. And I think that's a bit of a revelation for both of them. Where'd You Go, Bernadette, rated PG-13. Rated PG-13. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. The backyard's looking great, Rob. Thanks, man. I was planning on adding a deck, too. Know any good contractors? Why don't you just ask HomeAdvisor? Home what? HomeAdvisor.com. You just tell them about your project, and they match you with local pros that can do the job. Nice. Now, how much does it cost? Oh, HomeAdvisor's totally free to use. Plus, you can read customer reviews, check pricing, and book appointments for free. What's the website again? HomeAdvisor.com. Or just download the free HomeAdvisor app. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze presents the 2019 Westminster Conference, Friday, September 13th through Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus, the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu. Last week we talked about this briefly, that we have reached the one-year anniversary of the release of the PA Grand Jury Report on Sexual Abuse in the Catholic Church. Kevin Hayes was with, uh, was with us over the phone last week, but we brought him in studio for a little bit of a longer conversation. Kevin uh, joins us from the organization, which is a fairly new organization, called Catholics for Change in Our Church. And Kevin, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So, Kevin, what we're looking for, and John and I, and I know that you feel the same way because we've talked off the air about this, is we, we just we don't want to overly criticize the Catholic Church as we don't want to overly criticize any church that's been embroiled in any scandal. But we do want to speak plainly about what is. Correct. And we feel like that's our route to healing and hope and repentance because if we're not going to say what is and agree with God who already knows the full truth of it, then we're not going to be in line with what he wants for us or for the church. Correct. Okay, so starting there, we recognize that 
a year and a couple weeks ago, we all found out in great detail from the Attorney General's report what had happened over many decades in Pennsylvania Catholic churches. Now, a lot of it wasn't a surprise. A lot of it was a surprise. It all depends on the person. Um, I remember it clearly, John and Mike and I watching the stream of the Attorney General, um, Mr. Shapiro, talking and the people that were up on stage with him weeping and the video montage he showed at the beginning. Um, It's so heartbreaking to think that those of us who follow Jesus can be associated with a church that would allow that to happen to someone. Yes. And we have to be able to say that, right? That's part of where change is going to come. That's correct. Right. To acknowledge the pain that happened to the victims and survivors and their families, but then also to acknowledge the pain that happened to the body of the church, right? Right. All of the church. Multi-pronged, the problem is, right? Yes. So in the intervening year, you and other well-meaning people who love the church and who love Jesus formed the organization Catholics for Change in our church. Talk about that, Kevin. Talk about that day that Kathy described, whenever the uh, 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 Josh Shapiro rolled, up, rolled out all the findings, how brutally difficult that was to hear that, how it impacted you and your circle. Sure. I, I, I mean, I was like many, many other Catholics who were just shocked at the revelations in the report. Even though we knew to some degree what was coming. Yes, to some degree. I mean, abuse had been reported. You know, obviously the Boston incidents in the early 2000s happened with the spotlight revelations, etc. But one of the things our group has come to see and discern is how after that, when the bishops of the country made some adjustments and put in some protections, that frankly, many of us, and I'll speak for myself, I did, I convinced myself that what happened in Boston was different and somehow unique and somehow tied up in the way the church in Boston, you know, the Irish Catholic population of Boston and the Irish Catholic Church of Boston and all of that somehow must have contributed to it happening there and somehow convincing ourselves, maybe because we wanted to believe that we were different here, um, that we were. And when that report came out from, you know, Josh Shapiro, it just blew the scales off our eyes. And, you know, as Paul, when he, yeah. you know, converted and, you know, scales fell from his eye, you know, suddenly you realize, no, that happened here too. It happened all across the state. And, and the realization grew that it's happened everywhere. Right. Across the country, cr- around, around the, the world. world. Correct. And that's the heartbreak. You think about the priest preying on young victims. Now, the, the, the diocese here and uh, leadership here, Bishop Zubek, and, and rightfully he did say most of the cases that were uncovered that were talked about had happened decades ago. However, you do see in the news from time to time there are instances of this. The safeguards that have been put in place seem to have worked right, uh, that the diocese in some ways has become more responsible reporting those uh, charges to the police and that there has been some some veil uh, lifted and some measure of transparency now in place. 
Yes, and and and, it, and it's important to acknowledge the steps that the Diocese of Pittsburgh and other dioceses have taken. Again, I'll speak more to the Diocese of Pittsburgh that, you know, that over the last 20 years, there have been steps taken to improve the reporting, to improve um, the uh, acknowledgement when this has happened. Um, But one of the issues we've come up with in the last year is the fact that there is still a defensiveness, still a um, reluctancy of the church hierarchy to acknowledge fully both the pain of the victims, but then also the role of the institutional church and the hierarchy in handling those cases. Even though some of them were decades ago, the, the, the sense of clericalism, that somehow the institution of the church was more important than the victims was simply a sin that has to be acknowledged. So this defensiveness, what does that feel like? What does that look like from your perspective? It feels like individually, clergy, diocesan staff, not feeling that they were a part of the process whereby victims were not listened to or ostracized Uh, or made to feel shamed, and because individually they didn't feel they were personally culpable, they have a hard time understanding the perspective of many laity, myself included, that the church did, as an Mm. organization, cover things up. That the church body itself is culpable. So in plain speakingness, it's just not repentance. I mean, if, if you're not going to come out and say what you did. Correct. Although, again, to be fair, Bishop Zubik has had listening sessions where yes. he has sat, and until the last person has left the room, he's heard people's heartbreak and sorrow, the horror of their own personal stories. Yes. And, and again, uh, you know, in the public statement that we in CCOC put out last week, which is on our website, uh, ccoc-pgh.org, Uh, We acknowledge, you know, what Bishop Zubik has done, and that is one of the things he deserves credit for, that he did come out and say, I want to listen. I want to hear from both victims, their families, and other laity what their feelings and thoughts are. And uh, uh, also, they've gone uh, they've gone beyond that, and they've set another monetary fund in place, right? So victims have also stepped forward who were not included in the initial report. That's correct. They, they did set up a fund, uh, which is self-funded by the diocese, uh, in order to take in claims of people, not just those named in the report, but others who have come forth. But still, despite those corrections and that leaning forward to listen to the victims, there's still something, at least from your perspective, Kevin, Catholics for Change in our church, that is still not copacetic. Yes, and it's it's... Back to Kathy's point earlier, we just have not heard an acknowledgement from the church. And what we're asking for right now is actually not only Bishop Zubik, but all the bishops in the United States under the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to put together a statement that does acknowledge that the institutional church did harm individuals as well as the laity in not acting 
in a fully transparent way in handling of abuse reporting. Have Catholics for Change in our church asked for that? Yes. That, that is in our public statement, and we are going to be advocating that in the coming months. Has there yet been a response? No. In, in fairness uh, to Bishop Zubik and the other bishops, that we, you know, we haven't formally sent that request and, and formally put that in front of them. Uh, but our plan is to do that. Kevin, let's talk about this word, clericalism. Explain it more fully. You said it's it's the belief that the institution was more important, and we recognize this from the, the stories that were repeated in the Attorney General's report, that protecting the institution was more important than protecting the victims. That's correct. And, and you know, there's many definitions of clericalism that has been floated since this report, this bombshell, happened last week. Um, last year. Le- I'm, I'm sorry, last sure. year. Um, the anniversary was last week. Um but we feel one of the common themes within them is just what we mentioned, that, that the institution is more important than the individuals. But, but more so, clericalism is a system in which a class of people, in this case the clergy, the priests and the bishop, cardinals, pope, are seen by themselves as well as others, the laity, as somehow being superior and because of that, not really held accountable for their actions. That and they are above. That they're above. And I think that's, you know, we feel that that's one of the best definitions of it. And again, the examples that we talk about are, for instance, I went to Catholic grade school. So did I. Uh, St. Pius Tenth in Brookline. You know, when Father Marpus or Father Cullen came into the room, Everybody got up, good morning, Father. You know, everybody quiet in their position. You know, a lot of, a lot of deference. And that type of deference was very, very typical. You know, families felt it was an honor mm-hmm. for a parish priest to come to their house for dinner sure. and, and grace them with their presence over dinner. You know, having, you know, a son selected as an altar boy was an honor for that family. And... You know, we were taught that the priest was God's representative. And in fact, most of us grew up believing the priest was God. And that's where the imbalance happens in clericalism. And because of that, that sort of longstanding, this is something that's the church teachings, right? I mean, that as young seminarians become priests, that's part of the process. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, that part— and parcel to the training of the priests is that they are becoming another Christ, you know, that they are Christ's representative in the world. And again, you know, I think that it's important to say that we laity, you know, we're co-responsible for that clericalism existing, right? Right, right. It doesn't happen unless we laity agree to do it, agree to that arrangement. Right. But one of the things that we've been emphasizing, and again in our public statement we mention, is that created a sacred, a covenant of trust Mm -hmm. between the laity and the priests so that when a priest abused a child, that that wasn't just a crime, which it certainly was, but it was a sacred trust that was broken in that relationship. 
And that's what we want acknowledged. You know, that this is, this is at the core of our faith, you know, reconciliation. That, you know, that, that going to confession is a matter of acknowledging your sin and then being reconciled to God. But the reconciliation doesn't happen until there's an acknowledgement of the sinfulness. Right. And that's what we're asking of the bishops. And because that sacred trust has been broken, that's because so many people who would call themselves faithful Catholics since last year, for many reasons, have stepped away. And that has shaped the future of the church. We need to step away. But when we come back, we'll continue. We'll continue with Kevin Hayes. We'll talk about the future of the Catholic Church, what it looks like here in Pittsburgh. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. This is the Entertainment Answer. The best-selling book, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, has hit the big screen. How did funny lady Kristen Wiig, who I adore, get into her character, Audrey? Audrey? I love playing Audrey. I think the wig and the wardrobe, for sure, help. And, you know, she doesn't wear a lot of makeup. There's an uptightness about her casual style that I really find interesting. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Rated PG-13. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? <sighs> Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask Home Advisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, Home Advisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to homeadvisor.com or download the free app. Home Advisor. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The Word of God Audio Bible is a radio drama of the New Testament, word for word from Scripture, voiced by some of Hollywood's biggest names. Own this 22-hour audio New Testament. Log on to wordofgodaudiobible.com. And for a limited time, you can download the audio Gospel of Mark free. Visit wordofgodaudiobible.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end the good in you can live on in fact you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more sign up right now online as an organ eye and tissue donor you'll be happy you did and just maybe someone else will be happy too go to organdonor.gov it saves lives u.s department of health and human services health resources and services administration Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress.
for tonight, a muggy night with a shower or heavy thunderstorm in the area, a low of 69. Tomorrow, clouds, some sun and humid with a shower or thunderstorm around, a high of 84. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies, a low of 63. And for Thursday, cooler and turning less humid, clouds and some sun, and a shower or thunderstorm in places mainly south and east of Pittsburgh, a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Jake Zoja. Hey, thanks for being with us. Kevin Hayes is with us. He's from an organization from Catholics for Change in Our Church. We're talking about the the year anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the release of the Pennsylvania uh, PA Grand Jury Report on Sexual Abuse in the Catholic Church. It's hard to believe that a year has gone by. But in that intervening year, of course, you would imagine there's been a lot of heartbreak and, uh, and still some great conversation and some positive moving forward of people who are of the Catholic faith here in Western Pennsylvania and across the country. But Kevin, uh, talk about that. In those early weeks when the report was first um, unveiled, it had to crush so many people, and I can't imagine what it was like to show up for worship on Sunday morning. It was difficult, and it was full of angst, and many people looked around as to, what's going to happen here? What's going on? And it was a matter of, I think two things happened. One is people wanted to simply come and pray. I mean, they wanted to take their anger, they wanted to take their concerns, their heartbreak, their disappointment, their sorrow, and they wanted to ground that in prayer. Um, but then they also looked at their pastor and the priests who were saying the Mass. You know, were they going to acknowledge what was going on? And it was difficult. I mean, priests it's were really dealing hard. with it. It's it, really it was hard. very, very hard yeah. for many priests. Um, and so there was a little bit of like a no man's land, you know, and in some ways people kind of went through the motions struggling to figure out what was it that they were called to do. And, you know, as we mentioned in the public statement that, again, we put out last week, you know, there are three types of Catholics. And, you know, it, it, it kind of pushed people into one of these groups pretty quickly. And what are the three types? The, the three are those who simply left the church. They're never uh, coming back. Yeah. They're, you know, and, and of that group, there were two subsets. The first subset were people that really had not practiced their faith very much and were, you know, in some ways Catholic by name only. Mm-hmm. And for them, it was just, well, that's just it. I'm out. For others, they had continued to practice their faith. Their faith meant a lot to them, but they really struggled with the clericalism that they saw and some of the issues and, and, and some of the positions that the Catholic Church took. And they struggled with that personally and spiritually. And then when this happened, it was like— I'm uh, out. I'm out. Like, that's the last straw. Mm-hmm. I've struggled, and that's the last straw. Then the second group, I would say, would be almost diametrically opposite, which were people who came to the defense of the Church quickly and strongly. And they said, well, yes, these things were terrible— but they were only done by a few people, and this isn't the church I belong to, and we need to move on. You know, we need to acknowledge the pain, but we can't wallow in it, and we have to just soldier on and, and move on. And then I think there was a third group, and I think that is probably the largest group, which are people, most of whom would be good candidates for CCOC, which is our faith means a lot to us. 
We believe this is our church, which is a Second Vatican Council theme, you know, that, that we're all called to be priestly people. Uh, this is our church. It's not just the clerics mm-hmm. church. And they said, we don't want this to define our church. This is wrong. This is terrible. But what can we do? And then we started searching for answers. I see. So for those who did stay, I would imagine the the psychological and spiritual hurdles you had to go through. Because, you know, as you're giving, if you're a regular giver to the church, you think, I'm giving money essentially to victims of sexual abuse now or to a lawyer or something. It's not necessarily for the good of the church. It's become something else. It has been a struggle for every Catholic who has remained. Or I should say every Catholic who is a part of that third mm-hmm. group. I think it's a struggle uh, in terms of do I or do I not support the church? Can I write it? You know, many people in CCOC have said, I'll I'll ask, I'll tell Father I'll buy a water heater for the church if we need one, but I'm not giving money if it's going for things I don't know about. And that's one of the things we realized in one of the focus groups that we have is financial transparency because we think that is one of the ways the church can improve and build the trust mm-hmm. again by sharing more information and have it be more open and transparent. And then, of course, there's you know people like uh, organizations like Catholic Charities that for decades has done excellent work in the name of Jesus. Now they're being impacted as well. They are. They are. They they they, they are struggling. You know, Catholic cemeteries, Catholic charities, uh, St. Joseph's House of Hospitality, uh, many. Uh, of those organizations, again, are kind of stained by association, and, and they have struggled. I see. Let's step away. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about other cities where mm-hmm. there have been similar abuse scandals and if there are other groups like yours. Great. Kevin Hayes is with us, Catholics for Change in our church. WORD. Every marriage has areas that are working and others that could improve. The Focus on Marriage Assessment will help you discover and evaluate 12 essential traits to build a relationship that thrives. It's free. Take the free assessment by logging on to our station website and use the keyword marriage. Also, win an all-inclusive marriage retreat with a cabin, meals, and retreat activities, and $1,000 to cover flight and incidental expenses, plus a free ebook download of date night ideas. Take your marriage from good to great. Register for the marriage getaway at wordfm.com slash marriage at extreme car and truck in bridgeville find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies protection vehicle with spray on bed liners tonneau covers weather tech floor liners and more say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing plus lift kits electronics and remote starters always a favorite extreme car and truck in bridgeville for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage 
and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. What's happened to my son? We raised him in a church and he went to youth group. He's not acting like himself and this morning I found drugs in his room. I can't tell my pastor or my friends. They'll think I'm a bad parent. Is this my fault? I'm so ashamed and don't know where to turn. There is hope. For over 50 years, Western Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge has been helping families to find answers to their loved one's drug addiction. Call today, 724-265-4100, or visit paatc.org, bringing wholeness to the hopeless. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop with my patients. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Orphan children in Kenya and right here in the United States are in desperate need. You can help rescue orphans today by giving to the Global Orphan Care Fund. Your support will give a child the chance to find a loving, secure, and forever home through the Mully Children's Family in Kenya and through Focus on the Families Adoption and Orphan Care Program and Wait No More Adoption Conferences. It takes just $50 to help a child find a forever home. Go to FocusOnTheFamily.com slash OrphanCare to find out more. From the creators of War Room, the Kendrick brothers return to the big screen August 23rd with Overcomer. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shire, the film is rated PG. Visit OvercomerMovie.com. Kevin Hayes is with us, Catholics for Change. We're talking about the one-year anniversary uh, of the PA Grand Jury Report on Sexual Abuse in the Catholic Church. We've been talking about it from kind of different angles throughout uh, most of this hour. But, Kevin, in our last minutes, I want to ask you, as um, as a member of Catholics for Change in our community, what changes do you all want to see? So when you're talking to Catholic leadership, when you're communicating publicly, what are you looking for? We want to see substantive changes, and by that we mean foundational and clearly different systems in the church than we have today. And and by substantive, we mean something that everybody would recognize this is different. This is different. Move a little closer and, to the mic. And, and one of the issues that we're facing right now is change is always difficult. For and everybody. F- for everybody. And, and it's every- hard to say you're sorry. And, Listen, if I was tell it, if I had to confess to you, that's hard. Right. None of this is easy. And the larger the organization, usually the harder it is to change. <laughs> and the Catholic Church has existed for 2,000 years. So when you ask it to change, it's a big ask. And so we're looking to continue our dialogue with Bishop Zubik and the, and the folks in the diocese and look to see where positive changes can be made. Some of the things we want to see, for instance, is more independent involvement on diocesan councils and advisory groups. You know, Bishop Zubik has appointed new members and different members um, from different backgrounds, etc. But we'd like to see independent groups Mm -hmm. name people to Mm -hmm. that. And so that the independence is very clear. We think that would help the credibility. So it wouldn't be clergy controlled? It wouldn't be clergy controlled. I mean, right now, there are lay people on the boards. They're still appointed by the diocese. And so there's a kind of a debt owed to the diocese. And again, I don't think that helps the diocese credibility at this moment. So we think new people involved. 
I also think that, um, you know, if there was lay oversight, independent lay oversight of a whistleblower protection, mm. you know, there has been intimidation. There has been shaming um, of people who have come forth to say, hey, there's problems. Um, if that was made independent and, again, separate people named to that, I think, again, it would help the credibility going forward. That would be on kind of the diocesan level. At the parish level, canonically, by canon law, there are parish councils on the books and there are finance councils on the books, but in many parishes, they're in name only. No oversight. There, no oversight. No, no power. No power, no authority, no real input. The pastor does what they want to do, and it's not good. I see. We think there's a real opportunity that if those councils at the parish level were independent, if there, you know, we talk about co-responsibility, if there really was a sharing of authority, there would be more credibility, but also we see it as an opportunity to use the talents and abilities of the laity yes. to help the parishes because they need it. And, and so we see that as a real opportunity. Um, and, I, and I just think that, you know, the ongoing dialogue is really going to be needed. Mm-hmm. The communication is key here. Yes. So as Catholics for Change in our church uh, is formed and operating here within the diocese of the city of Pittsburgh, uh, clearly you're not alone. There are other cities that are also doing similar initiatives. There, there are, and we've been very excited to kind of connect with them over the last months and we think it's a real sign of the spirit at work mm-hmm. that independently and by themselves, they got together, they talked, they discerned, and their areas of focus match up with ours almost point to point. Mm-hmm. I mean, their focus groups match ours. Their emphasis matches ours. I think that's a sign that the mm-hmm. spirit's at work. But, you know, there's a great group in Buffalo, Movement to Restore Trust. They're making big changes there working with the bishop because their crisis was way worse in buffalo than it was in our diocese there's a group out of uh, dc in the arlington diocese uh, called k-pact um, and they're a group that are again working there's groups in wheeling starting there's a group in minneapolis there's a group in galveston houston so yes they're they are popping up and we hope to form a coalition where we can help each other i see so uh, with the catholic church of course all things spring from rome what about that? What about the Pope and that willingness and that power and that historical molasses? It will take a revolution to change Rome. But with that said, I think our sights are more on the American Catholic Church. You know, when you look at the Catholic Church worldwide, every country, every region really has their own church within a church. And for us right now, the focus is on the American Catholic Church working with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to see if some of these changes, some of these things that are positive can be implemented in the church. That's our goal. So, Kevin, obviously, you're looking for people to step alongside, right? There's room at the table for more voices, more talent, more passion. Very Talk about so. that, about the outreach. Sure. So, what you know, with the public statement that we got out last week, uh, we, we have gotten some publicity. Again, thank you for having me on today to help that. We do want to encourage people to join us. They can go to our website, which is ccoc-pgh, the acronym for Pittsburgh, .org, ccoc-pgh.org. You can register there, sign up, and be a part of what we're doing. Very nice. Kevin, go with God. I mean, thank you. Yeah, we, we admire you for what you're doing, 
And we really support anyone who's longing for change according to what the Spirit leads. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're yeah, excited the about the future. We are excited about the future, that healing would take place and uh, new power and vitality would come over the Catholic Church. Amen. Kevin Hayes, who joins us from Catholics for Change in our church. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys' soccer, girls' volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. You've all helped build MyPillow and the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper, regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com, promo code WORD. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. What you want is awesome new flooring at a great price. What you don't want is to spend hours at a showroom looking for it. With at-home flooring, you won't have to. At-home flooring is where awesome happens. And their family's been bringing awesome straight into Pittsburgh homes with top-quality hardwood, tile, carpet, and vinyl for over 50 years with their free shop-at-home experience, along with great selection and professional installation. So forget the showroom and schedule a little bit of awesome instead. Visit athomeflooringpgh.com. Needles and shots are one of the biggest fears in dentistry. In most cases, we have been able to completely eliminate that discomfort. Stock Family Dentistry on Perry Highway in Wexford is where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. The wand is pretty magical. The way that it can deliver the anesthetic without any sort of a pinch. Most patients don't even realize that I'm giving an injection. I've had a few patients say, well, when are you going to give me the shot? And I've already done it. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You know, in your daily perusal of the web, one of the funniest places to go is the Babylon Bee. I mean, it's as, hilarious. It is really so. You know, for years you'd go to the Onion, mm-hmm. and in, the Onion, a very famous satirical website. The Babylon Bee has done really great work in showing Christendom. Right, you know, everything about the church, everything about Christians, everything about church culture. I mean, nothing's safe. No, and uh, really, it's it's laugh out loud. Man, funny. we need it. You sure do. Well, so another famous website, uh, Snopes which is a fact-checking website, 
they are apparently um, obsessed currently, <laughs> overwhelmed because people think that the Babylon Bee is an actual news and information site. Yeah, yeah. We we wish people were laughing. Snopes right. is not laughing. Yeah. So uh, Adam Ford, uh, who uh, founded, later sold the Babylon Bee. Remember, Adam was with us. Yeah. Uh, he's been critical of Snopes. And last month, he posted an extended thread on Twitter criticizing Snopes, uh, Snopes for fact-checking stories like the one with the headline, Georgia lawmaker claims Chick-fil-A employee to- told her to go back to her country. Now, it's ridiculous. It's satire. But you can see in today's news cycle why you would think it's real news. From the very beginning, the danger of satire is if people aren't paying attention, they don't get it. Right. So in a piece critical to the story, uh, Snopes wrote, The Babylon Bee has managed to confuse readers with its brand of satire in the past. This particular story was especially puzzling for some readers. However, as it closely mirrored the events of a genuine news story, with a big exception of the websites changing the location. So, I don't know how Give you... Give me a break. Yeah. Give me a giant break. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you go about creating satire, which when the news cycle itself feels as though it's satire, how those two intertwine and still entertain people who you know want to laugh. I don't know how you do it either. Yeah, it's very difficult. But uh, the- but you can't give up on criticizing culture. We need the prophets. Oh my goodness! Everybody right? needs to laugh. I'm, because I'm it's not so putting ridiculous. the Babylon Bee in the level of biblical prophecy, obviously. But as far as social prophet, social commentary, yes, we need that. We need people to make fun of us. You know why? Because we take ourselves too seriously. That's why the onion is what it is. That's why any, I mean, satire is a, is a rich field, whether you're looking at the Princess Bride or you're looking at 1984 right. or you're looking at the Babylon Bee or the onion or whatever it is. It has a function. It has a literary function in culture where it, it allows us to step back. It's a literary steam valve. Yeah, and it, it gets us out of where we are so that we can see it more clearly, right? right? That It's invaluable. Yeah. So Snopes, in some way, has added to the problem. No because kidding. Now you're criticizing a satirical site and looking for truth in a satirical site when the two are not connected. So that makes me wonder two different things about Snopes. The first thing it makes me wonder is if they don't, really understand what satire is could be right so maybe they never read george orwell you know maybe they never you know saw monty python that they are just black and white and that's how it is that's the first thing it makes me wonder the second thing it makes me wonder is that they're so and this could also have validity they're so removed from any church culture i think that's any faith perspective that they don't get it right so snopes has put themselves in the position of being the southern poverty law center Right, right. Which we'll talk about later on in the show or tomorrow's Tomorrow show as well. Show, actually. Yeah, right. You, you could see that, right? Because we have lost our biblical literacy in the United just States. In, just in general culture. Right. So people don't understand what church is or church language or church law or God's law. So they don't even recognize it as satire. They don't realize what it is that they're doing. Right. And so they all of a sudden are taking it seriously and are like sending what investigative journalists to figure out if somebody really said that at Chick-fil-A? Yeah, I don't know. 
Well, that's what's happened on Twitter as well, isn't it? Because there's Listen, been the get the get religion website, which started I don't know how many years ago, ten years ago at Easily, least. Yeah. It was set up strictly for the function of helping people that don't have any church background to be able to understand stuff about church culture. So if you work for a paper like the Washington Post, or you right. work for NBC News, or you work for Snopes, or you work at a bank, and you don't just don't have you don't have any understanding of what the religious landscape is like. You know, they're not saying you have to believe. They're just saying if you're going to report on it or talk about it, you need to understand something and we're here to tell you about. Maybe the people at Snopes really need to invest in that. Right. That's a good point. Hey, we'll take a break uh, for news, weather, traffic during our 5 o'clock hour. We're going to talk about Planned Parenthood and Title X and evangelism as well. That's during the 5 o'clock hour of the ride home. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump says he's considering some tax cut proposals, but not in response to a potential recession. More economists now say they fear a recession's coming in the next two years or so. A strong economy is key to the president's re-election bid, so the White House has been trying to shout down those concerns. I think the word recession is a word that's inappropriate. He acknowledges he's considering cuts to capital gains and payroll taxes, but says he does that all the time. It has nothing to do with a potential recession. His big concern now is the Federal Reserve, which the president says must lower interest rates. If the Fed would do its job, I think would have a tremendous spurt of growth. Sagar Magani at the White House. On Wall Street today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down by 173 points, the Nasdaq dropping 54, the S&P 500 lower by 23. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Our total basement finishing system is unique, but what's even more unique is the way we interact with our clients. Energy Swing's Steve Rennekamp on building the basement of your dreams. You have a dream to finish your basement. The question is, whose dream is it? A lot of other companies start working on your basement and build it the way they want to build it, and so it ends up not being exactly what you wanted. We don't work that way. With our 3D rendering system, you can actually see what your dream looks like before you decide to invest. Our design consultant comes on and actually builds the basement with you on his computer, and you can see a 3D rendering of that finished basement. And if you don't like something, we can change it around. We can even place furniture in the 3D rendering so you can see if all the things you want to do in the basement will fit the way you would like them to fit, which gives you a unique perspective on what the finished job is going to look like before anything is done. Mention Word FM for an additional 5% off over and above any other discounts at EnergySwingWindows.com. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. 
Call for your free information kit, 800-620-8844. That's 800-620-8844. 800-620-8844. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze presents the 2019 Westminster Conference, Friday, September 13th through Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus, the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu. We're surrounded by noise, bombarded by information, messages struggling to get attention. So many ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out for the resources and know-how to make it all work. There's Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. For tonight, a muggy night with a shower or heavy thunderstorm in the area, a low of 69. Tomorrow, clouds, some sun and humid with a shower or thunderstorm around, a high of 84. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies, a low of 63. And for Thursday, cooler and turning less humid, clouds and some sun, and a shower or thunderstorm in places mainly south and east of Pittsburgh, a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Jake Soja. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. Hope that wherever you are, you're staying cool. This is the last warmer day, right? We're headed into a Yes, it's going to cool period. down tomorrow. Or maybe Thursday. Anyway, it's, it's, gonna, it's trending. Yeah, well, down. You know, if you've got air conditioning, you're fine anyway. But we're not, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Hey, listen, uh, this is from today's um, Wall Street Journal. Adult recess is booming because being a grown-up is hard. People are reliving schoolyard memories with tetherball, hopscotch, and Lincoln logs. Come on. Despite sore muscles and tweaked knees. Oh, Dateline, San Francisco. Thank you. Okay, so it's coming from San Francisco. It's got the fuller picture now. So in between adult recess and professional cuddlers... This is another sign of the coming apocalypse. I think so. That we have lost our minds in this country. Right. Right. So um, apparently professional cuddlers have their own uh, organization where you pay upwards of $80 an hour to go and lie with a stranger in a non-sexual atmosphere. You're just (laughs) being held. Come on. You're cuddling. Come on. It's the thing. That can't be a real thing. It's a thing. It's a thing here in the city of Pittsburgh. It's not a thing yes, here in the city of Pittsburgh. Of course it is. It's a thing all over the country. It's sweeping the nation, as they say. That's... 80 bucks an hour. Stop it. Now, look, you know this, that human beings want and desire, they need, we all need touch. What are you doing? I just wanted to cuddle. Yeah. Well, 80 bucks. Pony up, my friend. So if you would look in the city paper or online, and if you would type in cuddling pittsburgh you would find any number of people who are now offering this service and of course apparently there also has to be some sort of licensing there's some sort of but i I have to get a cuddle license book a cuddle there i just did this book a cuddle therapy from a professional cuddler there you go 
professional cuddlers in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. professional cuddler in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. female snugglers five, the snuggle buddies. Right. So, you know, women can go to women, men Wait. can go to men. Costly cuddling. Why my night of professional snuggling wasn't worth three hundred twenty-five dollars. Three twenty-five. How about just taking you know some uh, Tylenol PM and going to bed? Okay, this this is a sign of the coming apocalypse. It is okay. So, adult recess and cuddling. These are now things. Okay, so there's a need for both of these, or they wouldn't be happening. Right. People are perceiving that they have a deficit. In the area of professional touch or professional person, professional <laughs> personal touch, we all need touch. Okay, and what playing outside? What what is what is the recess thing telling us? That we like to be in community, right? There's that okay. word, that weird word that pops up all the time. Community. We like to be in community. Mm-hmm. We like to have fun. And we all want to go back to our childhoods where seemingly the world was less stressful. I hated recess. Oh, I loved recess. I hated it. I look forward to it. Mike? Didn't you love it, Mike? Absolutely. See, yeah, see boys loved recess. Yeah. Boys loved recess. A lot of girls hated recess. Do you it, know why? Why? Because a lot of recess, when I was growing up, had to do with sports. And if you were bad at sports, yeah. which I was, you were marginalized and picked on and bullied in all well, sorts wait, of no, multiple ways. No, wasn't there like swing sets and monkey bars and things like that? We didn't really have swing sets and monkey bars <laughs> at our school. I mean, we had them if you What'd went you to have? a park, but not at our school. Not in your school, like in, not, not in your schoolyard. Huh. Now, in my, you know, in my elementary schoolyard, there were, you know, there were monkey bars. Oddly enough, in my schoolyard talking about the non-cuddling group, there was a large yellow line that went down the middle of the playground, boys on one side, girls on the other. And the rebels among us would, one time or other, run across the yellow line to the shrieks of the girls and then run back to the other side, just to be that rebel. And now we have cuddle, cuddle time. Yeah. Instead of of that today. It's pretty sad. I don't even know what to say. I don't... All right, so we're, so we're longing in both of them for some kind of connection. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, in this sex-saturated society that we live in, you know, people, a lot of people say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go on, you know, the dating apps and do a hookup. I just need to be held, which is, oh, that's a lot. I mean, can you imagine walking into a stranger and saying, hold me? That's really un. It's, it's, it's really unnatural I, I and just very think it's sad. sad. Yeah, and I don't want to make light of it. No, I don't want to make light of it either. But I, I think it's important to look at why it's happening. So, how often have we talked about the isolation of young men who become mass shooters? Right, they're people that don't have social connection, that feel somehow marginalized and don't have significant interpersonal relationships. Right. So this is. I mean, th- there's a societal deficit that is being experienced by millions of people it's just being people are dealing with it in different ways right so so what does that mean what do we have what are we supposed to do it means that we're disconnected we're lost we're afraid we're broken we're sad we're lonely we're crying out for something bigger than ourselves we had a guest on a couple weeks ago while you were away john and I he talked. <laughs> two weeks. That's all I did. Well, he was talking about 
the houses in his neighborhood that are relatively new, built within the last 15 to 20 years, yep. they all have back decks. Okay? Yeah. His house, like your house, like my house, built in the 30s. They have a front porch. Yeah. Fabulous. But he says, doesn't that tell you something important oh, about what has happened in society and what we think is important? So the back decks were hiding from our neighbors. The front porch were, were forced to confront them. Exactly. Right. So there's some sort of neighborhood communication that happens if everybody's out on their stoop, on right. their front porch, playing in the street, whatever it is. If everyone's on their back deck, there's none of that. Right. Well, air conditioning is also cut that as well, right? No one's outside right now because we're all inside in air conditioning. Well, you and I aren't. No, we're not. <laughs> right. But I, I, I think I told you this. We had some neighbors who stopped by. We were out on our porch last night eating dinner. And one of our neighbors stopped by and said, hey, you know what? We were... They walk around our neighborhood a lot. And they said, you know, you're the only house in our neighborhood that doesn't have air conditioning. And we said, yeah, because, you know, people say that a lot. And he said, but you know what? My wife and I were talking about you guys at dinner. And we said, they're onto something. Because he said, we, he and his wife, spend all winter complaining about how they can't get outside because it's so cold. He said, and now that it's summer, we turn on our air conditioning and we can't get outside because it's so hot. Yeah. So you're never outside, right? So the fact that we don't have the opportunity to go inside and in into the air conditioning, we have to be outside, right? But it is. I think it's good for us. It's as healthy. Much, often I complain. I will be honest with you, and yet I do think it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about you know the, the healthiest people are outside two and a half mm-hmm. hours or more per week, right? I mean, that's necessary. When you're sitting outside, how it's it's. As wet of a, a summer, early summer it's been, the, lately it's been so wonderful, hasn't mm-hmm. it? The air feels almost like you're wearing a nice, simple, warm coat. I mean, these last couple of days have been in the 90s. But before that, it's just been absolutely wonderful. But this is just indicative of where we are, right? So if we look at the trends, and we recognize that for the last multiple decades, we've all been moving more and more inward, in inward. our own space, right. right? And so now we're starting to pay. Right. The consequences are high. Yeah, they are, right? Because there's, lon- there's loneliness, there's feelings of isolation, there's clinical depression, anxiety disorders, violence. You know, so I think each one of us has to figure out what we do to get out of that. Right. I heard somebody just saying on the radio the other day, get to a church. Listen, oh, you know who it was? It was Dave Ramsey. He was saying, he was talking to somebody on his show, and he said, get to a church. And they said, well, I don't, you know, I don't believe in God. And he said, you know what? I don't care. Just go. Go. Go to a church. You don't have to believe everything they believe, but go and show up regularly and get to know people because that's what you need. And then after some time, you might decide that you really don't believe what they believe or you might decide that you do, but you go into that knowing you need this and you got to show up. That's really good. Hey, uh, that segues into our next segment. We're going to talk in a few minutes about evangelism, the reluctant witness, discovering the delight of spiritual conversations That's next here on The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. What sort of relationship will you have with angels when you're in heaven? And how will you interact with fellow Christians when you're there? 
Get answers this week as John MacArthur continues one of his 12 most popular studies. It's titled simply Heaven, and it's part of our year-long 50th anniversary celebration here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, mm-hmm. phones, mm-hmm. life insurance. Your blood pressure is up. <laughs> Your weight is up. <laughs> You're one to talk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I'm getting dinged just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big Lou! Big Lou can get term life insurance rates for a 50-year-old male with type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe he's on anxiety meds mm-hmm. for just around $200 a month for a million dollars of coverage. Oh, you got to say that again. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say it. Big Lou and term provider could get a 50-year-old man, a little dinged up, uh-huh. a million dollars in life insurance for around $200 a month. Call Big Lou. Big Lou. He's like you. 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you got to call Big Lou. Got to. 800 Write it down. 800-555-2085. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around... I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Gosh, it's hard to talk about faith. It's weird. I mean, it's a very personal thing, and so bringing it up with a stranger is weird. But it's also a very personal thing, so bringing it up with someone really close to you can sometimes be weirder. It, it's a hard thing to do. And we know from recent research, and we've talked to several guests about this, that overall, people are just having fewer and fewer spiritual conversations. Right. That doesn't mean that people are just, you know, they're not, quote unquote, sharing the gospel as much as they have. I mean, just about anything spiritual, people aren't talking about it as much. Well, because, it's taken on a stigma. Yeah, exactly. Culturally, it's it's taboo. Right. In fact, there was a, a, a portion of a survey I just read the other day that said that Millennials view sharing your faith as actually being wrong. Millennial Christians. Yes. No. Uh, I think it was millennials in general. Okay. Sharing your faith is just wrong. Hmm. 
because you shouldn't impose on anyone else. Okay, right? that's where we are. Yeah. So, so to discuss this type of um, this type of perspective and to figure out what this means for people who believe in Jesus, we've invited Don Everts to the program. Don's a writer for Lutheran Hour Ministries and an associate pastor at Bonham Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, Missouri. He's also been a speaker and trainer for Alpha and InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. His books include Jesus with Dirty Feet and The Reluctant Witness. Don, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me, John and Kathy. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Okay, so uh, as The Reluctant Witness unfolds, your latest work, you tell mm-hmm. the story about being on a Greyhound bus for mm-hmm. 15 hours. Pick that up. Yeah, and uh, for the first 13 and a half hours of the trip, I was sitting right next to a young woman. Uh, you know, we were so close, our shoulders would touch from time to time, and we did not say a single word to each other the entire time. Wow. And, and, and that's one thing, and I'm a Christian, and I know, you know, I'm called to be a witness, you know, uh, but he, here, here's where the irony gets really thick. For all of those 13 and a half hours, I was reading a book about evangelism. <laughs> so, so that's, I mean, that's just the truth. That's what it is. And I was, I was such a reluctant conversationalist, I'm reading this book about how into people our God is, and how our God loves people, and how He calls us to be a part of reaching out to others for 13 and a half hours. I was reading about that, the scriptures that celebrate that fact, while ignoring the person seated right next to me. Wow. And, and, and so it was, uh, you know, the cat had my tongue, and uh, with an hour and a half left, uh, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I turned and said hi. And, and, and that moment and what eventually happened became for me a kind of parable of, one, how it is understandable, and we can empathize with how some of us, myself included, can be reluctant to talk about our faith, uh, and what can happen if we just take that first step uh, and and see what God might do. So as you said hi to the woman you were sitting next to for 13 and a half Mm -hmm. hours, then what happened? I mean, you had an hour and a half together to really have a conversation. How did that unfold? You know, it's interesting because uh, she said she looked surprised when I said hi, like, you know, why did he just notice me? (laughs) It's been 13 and a half hours. And, uh, and, and it was interesting because she said hi, and, and then my go-to that I picked up somewhere, if, if I'm in transit, is I say, so are you coming or are you going? And so I said that. I said, so are you coming or are you going? And she paused, and she looked over at me, and she said, you know, I don't really know. And that, you know, and, and I sort of said, what do you mean? And, it, it, and And then she just spilled out into the bus this just story of where she was in life and how she had lost hope. And she was moving to try to find hope again, but didn't know if any city that she went to would have hope for her and was life really over. And, um, and, and then I was able to spill out into the bus between us in, in all, in an awkward faltering way, just the story of where I had found hope and not in a city, but in a kingdom and, and, and was able to share about Jesus. And I mean, think, think about that. Here she is, struggling, uh, feeling lost, wondering if there is hope in this world. And for 13 and a half hours, I was sitting right next to her. And, um, you know, I don't feel like God was angry at me or anything like that, but it is a kind of parable, right, that we have good news. We actually have really good news for people. And how do we, in our culture where the cat has got our tongue, we're not even talking to each other about our faith as much as we used to. I mean, the, the, the data is shocking. Uh, as we found as I was working with Barna and working on the book. Um, but the good news is 
we don't have to be amazing conversationalists. We just need to turn our head and say hi a little bit more often. And, and to know how to do that in a way in today's context that is palatable for people and that makes sense for people and that is done graciously and with respect, as Paul encourages us to do, um, and great things actually can happen. Let's talk about some of that data. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that Americans overall are having fewer spiritual conversations. You know, I mentioned at the start that we've talked to several different guests about this because the numbers, mm-hmm. as you said, are so surprising. I mean, it, yeah. it was something like only 7% of people said that they had had a spiritual conversation of any kind mm-hmm. in the last week. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so we found that three quarters of all Christians— have nine or fewer spiritual conversations a year. Now, that's, that's not an evangelistic conversation. That's any conversation where you're talking about your faith with anyone. Uh, and Christians, three-quarters of us are having nine or fewer. A, a, a third of us, to break that down, a third of us only have one or two a year. Wow. 9%, 9% of all Christians, almost a tithe of us, reported having zero spiritual conversations in the last year. And so the cat, and there's good news too, because the other quarter of us are talking a lot, and we, we can get there, but the sobering part is that clearly something has happened. And, and we did uh, the same research 25 years ago, and the numbers have moved, the needle has really moved. Uh, the cat really does have our tongue, and there are a number of reasons, and you guys are right about that, uh, and there are a, a number of interrelated reasons why we're quiet, but the number one reason that people gave for why don't you have more spiritual conversations, the number one pe- re- reason that people gave is fear, and that they're, they're specifically being afraid of offending other people. Hmm. Wow. So what does that say? I mean, is that the culture has overridden our love of God so much so that we don't want to make people angry or offended, so better not to say anything? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It's, it's complex because there's this very palatable fear of offense that in our culture, our overall culture, it feels like a more hostile environment, right? Mm-hmm. That, right, right. That and, and Christianity, Paul said, you know, it's going to be in season, it's going to be out of season. Okay, it's less in season than it used to be in our country. And that feels a certain way to Christians. And, and there is an overall cultural kind of narrative uh, that makes us fearful of bringing up faith. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we're quiet. But here's what's really interesting. And, and this is where the, the data is more interesting. Even though our overall culture feels hostile to spiritual conversations, individuals including non-Christians, are actually glad when they have spiritual conversations. So, so, so for example, the, the top two reasons that Christians and non-Christians, or, or top two emotions experienced when having a spiritual conversation, and this is the same for Christians and non-Christians, the top two emotions that people experience are peace and joy. One of the more common things that happen in spiritual conversations, and this is, among, this is from respondents that were Christian and non-Christian, is laughter. I mean, we tend to think of spiritual conversations as these like combative, serious, sober things. Actually, it's laughter. And so the, the majority, the wide majority of all Christians and non-Christians, when we ask them, are you glad you had your most recent spiritual conversation? The wide majority said yes, yes. Oh, they I are. And so, and so we have this overall perception of fear, which, which makes us hold our tongue. But the reality is when we actually start conversations, uh, when we approach people and adapt graciously to where they are, 
uh, people actually really enjoy having spiritual conversations. They're obviously very powerful. Uh, the number of people who say they encountered some kind of positive life change because of a spiritual conversation is high. And so people are glad that they have them. So, But we do have an issue because we don't necessarily feel that way. And, mm-hmm. and the fear, uh, and there's other reasons, how things that we've seen done in the name of evangelism. So if you've seen someone share their faith out of anger, or, or in a judgmental way, or bitterly, then a lot of people are like, well, if, if my options are to be mean to people or hold my tongue, I'm going to hold my tongue. I see. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, there are perceptions out there and models that people have of what it means to talk about their faith that actually don't comport with how the New Testament authors encourage us to talk about our faith. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm, so we just don't know. Part of it's ignorance. That's right. That's right. And bad models or, you know, you, you see, you know, one per, one Christian being mean uh, and we think, oh, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And, and then, you know, and Christianity is less in season than it used to be. And so it's become easier for us to hold our Just tongues. It's Yeah, it's interesting, John and Kathy, too, how our beliefs about evangelism have also shifted over the last 25 years. 25 years ago, uh, the average Christian saw it as their personal responsibility to share about their faith with other people. And when they were asked, is it the job of the church to convert people? Their answer was no. It's the individual Christian. Today, those two uh, statistics have flipped. So the average Christian today feels like it is not uh, their responsibility. It is the church's responsibility. So there's some theology at play here, too. There's some identity and understanding what Jesus calls us to that is also in play. Don Everts is with us. His newest work is called The Reluctant Witness, Discovering the Delight of Spiritual Conversations. Don, in all this, from a secular perspective, what I find fascinating is that even though the secular culture does not necessarily engage in, or even Christian culture, engage in spiritual conversations as much as they used to, we as a society hold up those who we perceive to be spiritual in a very high light. I mean, when you people talk about... Desmond Tutu or Mother Teresa sure. or Nelson Mandela or something and, and look at when people will in hushed tones say well they're, that's a very spiritual person we, <laughs> that's you know right. that, that there's a holiness about there that we ascribe to people even yes. we don't know the nature of their holiness but we as a society we value that and want more of that but at the same time we are also repelled by that and, and specifically, and it's a little bit different too when it becomes when it comes to Christianity and Christians, because we have a trust issue. Mm. There are a lot of people in our country who are walking around with some kind of church hurt, where they they've been hurt by a church, they were hurt by a Christian, they were you know, and and that and they carry that with them, and so, and we can empathize with that, right? That that there are reasons why Christian institutions, Christian leaders. Christianity in general are not trusted. We may feel that that's not fair and like, well, why doesn't my neighbor trust me? I'm not the one who hurt them in second grade at their church. Someone else did. But it doesn't matter. That distrust is imputed to us. Mm-hmm. And so part of why, even though people highly esteem authentically spiritual people, our culture in general or individuals, when they have church hurt, it, it really colors how they see every single Christian. So that's sobering. The good news is, uh, what the research tells us, is it only takes one Christian, trusting one Christian, to, to, to dissolve 
all that distrust and to engage them again. And so learning how to build trust with people who are unreceptive uh, actually is, in our context, an evangelistic activity. I also believe this, and I don't know if this is true or not, that mm-hmm. the, another reason that we don't evangelize is that, that we don't talk about it because a lot of us don't live it. That by doing so... <laughs> that, right, so we're going to yeah. be a bad representative. Right, that we'll, we'll identify as believers, and I'll go to church on a Sunday morning, but you know, Saturday through the rest of the week, uh, I got nothing for yeah. you. Yeah, it it is interesting. The data told us that, you know, the quarter of people who are talking about their faith a lot, we, we call them eager conversationalists. That's that's what the researchers call them. They read the Bible more, pray more, and go to church more than reluctant conversationalists. Hmm. So, so the researchers don't point to the causality because, you know, they're researchers. So it's just all about correlation. But I, I find it interesting. The more engaged you are with your faith, the more you will talk about your faith. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the way it is and, with everything. I mean, I, it, it, it I, is. I was yeah. saying yesterday or the day before on our show that I am a really terrifically effective evangelist for the Netflix series Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. <laughs> oh, I, mean, right. I have turned more people Jerry, onto the show. Because, and I turned you onto it. Exactly. So your, your recommendation you. changed Mike, which changed me, and I've gone out and changed all these people because I am seriously right. excited and I think it has a lot to offer. And when we talk about it, don't we talk about Jerry yeah. Seinfeld almost in, in, in ways that we think hush, he is holy. Hush tones. Right, that his right? wisdom right. is beyond us. Right, okay. Because okay. so we're passionate so, about it. Right, the reason I'm talking about it is because I feel so strongly about it. So if I have a spirit spiritual life that is vibrant, that's just going to yes. be the natural thing that I talk about it. But if I don't, then that's why it's silence. That's right. And if you don't, best case scenario is that you are delivering a kind of pre-chewed, memorized mm. uh, right. information about Christianity, right. not an authentic, lived story. And, and that's what people want these days. They're, people these days, even in our postmodern era, they're very interested in truth. They, they just ascribe veracity differently. In the modern era, people wanted to know, does your gospel make logical, rational sense? People today want to know, does it work? Does it actually work in your life? And, and that's the data that they are going to evaluate to say, is it true or not? And if, if you're not living it, if, if they're not seeing it make a difference in your life, it undercuts uh, the case for the veracity of the Christian faith. And you're right, we just won't talk about it as right. much. Don Everett's The Reluctant Witness, Discovering the Delight of Spiritual Conversations. So, Don, is there is there a cure here? I mean, you know, for you yourself on the Greyhound bus at 13 and a half hours, clearly yeah. something had to happen. You know, the Spirit finally worked on you. But what about the rest of us? Yeah, so the, so the good news, the, the really, really good news is people really like having spiritual conversations, Christians and non-Christians included. Uh, the, the really good news is um, people want to have conversations with people in their everyday life. They don't want to talk to religious professionals like me. And what the research tells us is they want to talk to people they already trust. Be, the, the gospel wants to be shared in the warm light of friendship. So it's about everyday people in your life. It's about adapting to them where they are, right? So these eager conversationalists, they have certain habits that we can all learn from. So, for example, they are less likely to have a memorized bit about Christianity they, that they kind of regurgitate whenever they're talking to a non-Christian, and they're more likely to just graciously adapt to where someone is in their own journey. And if they're unreceptive, fine, just try to build trust, try to gain a hearing. If they're actually receptive, great. Share about something Jesus has done in your life. If they're actively seeking and wanting to come to conclusions, 
okay, engage their questions with them and help guide them to faith. And these are all things that we can all learn how to do. We can all learn how to build trust. We can all learn how to reflect on our own story with Jesus and talk about it with others. We can all learn how to walk with people uh, towards answers with their questions. Um, so that's the really good news. And, and so a lot of it is helping people realize there's not as much to be afraid of as you think. You know, so like that's, <laughs> that's really important. Um, you are actually called by Jesus to be light and salt. So that is part of your identity. Um, and, and the more people try it, this is the really good news. And this is, this is why I think God chose a, a, a crazy introvert like me to tell this story. <laughs> it's because if God can use someone like me uh, to turn and say hi more often and actually have fruitful things come of it, God can use anyone. That's really good. Hey, Don, thanks an awful lot. We really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Great to be with you, John and Kathy. Thank you. Don Everett's The Reluctant Witness, Discovering the Delight of Spiritual Conversations. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit, 800-620-8844. That's 800-620-8844. 800-620-8844. You've all helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper, regularly $89.99, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a six. 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com, promo code WORD. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze presents the 2019 Westminster Conference, Friday, September 13th through Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus, the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu. From the creators of War Room, the Kendrick Brothers return to the big screen this week with Overcomer. Well, I have a season with one runner. 
One runner matters. John Harrison is a frustrated coach questioning his value until he crosses paths with a student struggling on her own journey. What have you allowed to define you? Overcomer in theaters this Friday. Starring Alex Kendrick and Priscilla Shirer. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Visit OvercomerMovie.com. For tonight, a muggy night with a shower or heavy thunderstorm in the area, a low of 69. Tomorrow, clouds, some sun and humid with a shower or thunderstorm around, a high of 84. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies, a low of 63. And for Thursday, cooler and turning less humid, clouds and some sun, and a shower or thunderstorm in places mainly south and east of Pittsburgh, a high of 75. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Jake Soja. I don't know, when it comes to worship, yeah. you think, oh, that's a holy thing, and you do it every Sunday, and you know, it's it's what God's prescribed, it's our appropriate posture before God, but there's so many preferences that come into it, and each denomination has, you know, priorities that they place on different things, and then there are trends that come through where all of a sudden music changes, or all of a sudden the shape of your sanctuary changes, or the lightness or darkness of your sanctuary changes. Right, right. And then uh, when you go to a church for a long time, or like me, you're on staff at a church for a long time, you start thinking, now wait, how much of what we do on Sunday is from the heart? And how much of it is just a response to some trend we find all around us that we just glom onto? That's an awful lot. It is a lot. So I'm not on staff at a church. When I go to church, I just want to worship. I want to be part of it. And I don't know what that means as far as style or trends or attitude. I just hope to be in community and find Jesus in the midst of all that. But it's very difficult. Well, you're an honest worshiper. I think a lot of us go into a sanctuary thinking that I want it to be a certain way. And if it's not a certain way, then I went to it with needs that I had that weren't met. Oh, needs that weren't met. Okay. Uh, Reverend Kurt Bjorklund is with us. Kurt is the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. He joins us fairly regular. Kurt, how are you today? Thanks for coming along. Um, I'm well. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Kirk, these are hard questions um, for people that are on church staffs. Now, John walks into a church, and I think he walks in with the right attitude because he says, I'm just looking to worship. Um, but, you know, you're the, the leader of a big church. How do you see worship trends? How do they affect how you think about Sundays or Saturdays? Yeah, well, a lot of great questions uh, that you raised. And, uh, Kathy, I think it's obvious that this is a topic you're passionate yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, just hearing your your intro there, the challenge a lot of times is uh, people often come to church, not wrongly, but um, with an attitude that says, I just want to hear from God today, whatever that means. And then they see it through the lens of their preferences, meaning what they do is they assess whether or not they feel moved on whether or not it was a good worship experience or not. And then quickly begin to associate what works for them with what is most God-honoring, and therefore turning that into a universal should. Mm. Now, certainly there are people who will argue that there are regulative principles and things of that nature that are found in the Bible in terms of how people should worship, and certainly you could make some argument for some of those things, and some of them maybe not, but 
but but I think the the danger in the trend is to become so enamored with any one style or preference that you start to say this is indeed the way that God works and and what you then do is you start to equate people who worship like you with those who are closest to God, most godly, um, doing it right, uh, most missional, whatever phrase matters to you, you, you know, most spirit-filled, you, you start to fill in your, your, your blank there, and then you want everyone to do things like you do, and you, instead of being able to appreciate differences or even um, meet God through differences, you start to sit as a critic watching what's happening. And that becomes destructive, I think, to somebody's own spiritual journey. Well, that's wise, Kurt. I mean, the the idea of having our preferences elevated to this is the way the Holy Spirit works, and this is the way the Holy Spirit should work, and this is the way that he only works, is I think it's a jump that we don't even realize we've made as people that are going into a church. I think it happens subtly. It does. And what's interesting is it's not even altogether off. Because when you move God through a certain style, you do want other people to experience God. And so then you equate the style with the way that God works, and then that becomes the, the should that you start to put out there for other people in terms of how they should worship. And that becomes, again, the, the destructive piece. We need to take away uh, just a, a few minutes and step uh, step back. But Kurt Bjorklund is with us talking about worship trends in the modern church. So we hope you stay with us. Back in a few. One hundred one point five W O R D. When we focus on circumstances in front of us, they can seem overwhelming. In fact, it's easy to fall into despair. But Wednesday, Chuck Swindoll encourages us to lift our eyes and focus not on our circumstances, but on God who's in control. Be listening Wednesday to Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. In the good old summertime, in the good old summertime. It may sound a little corny, but it really is the good old summertime at the Springhouse in 84. The sun is shining, the cows are out on the pasture, the sweet corn is almost ready, the Springhouse produce tables are filled with freshly picked vegetables, and we're up to our elbows in ice cream. And you know what? That all makes the Springhouse a very fun place to be. Why not jump in the car right now for a country drive to 84? Come for homemade lunch or supper or just to eat ice cream and enjoy sweet country air. Be sure to take home our famous chocolate milk and baked goods. Don't forget that. We're just four miles east of Washington on Route 136, and it doesn't take long to get to us. Call 228-3339 for more directions to the Springhouse in 84. Hey, look at this. Why are you on your phone? We have dinner reservations. I'm getting a quote for life insurance from Ethos. Just look. Wow. You know, I thought it would be more expensive. A friend told me about Ethos. It's a new, straightforward kind of term life insurance that offers policies for any budget. Let's do an estimate for you. Do we have time? You just answer four simple questions to get an instant quote. (laughs) These are easy questions. And there's the instant quote. Seriously? That was really fast. I know, right? And the online application only takes about 10 minutes. No pushy agents. And in most cases, no medical exams. It's perfect for us. Can we apply right now? Why not? 
And after dinner, maybe we can celebrate. You know what? Ethos is perfect for us. Ethos is ethical term life insurance. Straightforward and super fast. Don't put it off. Go to ethoslife.com for a free instant quote now. E-T-H-O-S-Life.com. That's ethoslife.com. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. When I was a kid... Worship styles was defined by the scent of the incense. <laughs> but things change, you know? You grow and you, you go to different places and look different, experience different things. And different denominations look at it different ways. Uh, we're talking about worship trends with Kurt Bjorkland. He's a senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. So, Kurt, I mentioned before that you lead a large church, and your church body worships different ways. So talk about the different types of worship services you have and why you've decided to do things the way you have. Yeah, the the thing that happened maybe 20 years ago or more, and I'm old enough that I remember that at this point, is churches went through worship wars, so to speak, where churches would try to become contemporary, and everybody wanted a contemporary service. So then now there's a whole generation of youth who've grown up in churches that have known nothing but quote-unquote contemporary worship. And I think what what we're beginning to see is that among a lot of younger um, adults who are people of faith is that they have a longing for some of the more traditional liturgical elements of faith to feel like their worship is not all based on something that was you know, conceived of or written by somebody who's 30 years old or younger and has only been around for five years. And and that's an interesting thing, because there's still a hunger for contemporary modern worship. But but what we've begun to sense and see is just that, that there's also a hunger for things that have more long-term connection to the history of the Church. And so we've started to experiment with, uh, you know, our church would probably be largely defined by modern contemporary worship. Uh, you walk in, it feels probably more like a rock show in some ways than a worship service to mm-hmm. most people, uh, most of our weekend services. But we began a service in our new chapel space last year, year and a half ago, that is liturgical. So it, it pulls on elements from the past, uh, responsive reading, scriptures, creeds, as well as more traditional music to uh, to paint a picture. And what's been interesting to us is that is that it has not just been an older generation that has preferred that, but that it has has uh, captured people across the spectrum. Now we, you know, haven't nailed it. It's not like we have it figured out. But what we have come to believe is that is that in one church, it isn't. Uh, it's a good thing to have more than one style because it helps people who say, I may not like that style, and that's an okay choice to say that's not my style preference, still be part of the same worship serv- worshiping community. Mm, you're right. So how do you, how do, how do we think about worship trends, Kurt? I mean, is that a bad word? Is that a bad term? Are, are worship trends bad? Um, or should, are those things that we should be sensitive to? Well, it depends on, um, 
probably on a lot of factors. I certainly understand the question, and that is, are we just responding and kind of to the culture? But Paul said something significant in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Mm, to the right. Gentiles, I became like a Gentile. Right. I became all things to all people, that by all possible means I might win some. And there isn't a church that would sponsor a missionary to another culture that would say, go there and don't pay attention to the culture. Just do whatever you think is, is um, best. Of course, a missionary spends time contextualizing how they will do what they're doing to win people to Jesus. And, and so I don't think it's a, a wrong thing at all. In fact, I think it's a biblical thing to say, are what we doing, is what we're doing, uh, reaching people of the generation and the location in which we live? And if not, then, then maybe we've let our preferences dictate our style to such a heavy extent that, that we aren't being um, uh, effective in reaching people in our current generation. So in that sense, yes to trends. I would say no in the sense of if a church ever gets in a point where they're just looking around saying, what is the you know, coolest church doing? and let's do some of that so that we can be cool too, then you're not probably being true to who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then all of a sudden what you're doing is you're chasing culture rather than, than, than letting yourself bring the gospel into the culture in which you le- live. And, and every church will have a unique um, niche in any community that it can reach well, that no other church is probably equipped to meet. And if everyone tries to be monolithic and do the same things, you're going to miss different people, different preferences, different styles. And so as much as I think there's a maturity for somebody coming to a point of being able to say, I can worship in any style and seek God no matter what, and I think that is in many ways ideal, I think it's also mature for people to say, but we want a style that that is fluent to... Um, to the community in which we live, mm-hmm. that people can walk in and not feel like they're um, walking back in some kind of time. Years ago, I went to a, a Rotary meeting, and I'll never forget walking in, and one of the first things they asked me to do was sing. They had all kinds of, you know, unique songs and codes and things that I didn't know anything of, and, and I remember just feeling completely awkward, uh, the whole thing. They asked me for money right away, uh, find me because I had blue on or something like that. And, and I remembered walking away saying, that's probably how a lot of people feel when they come to church. Like, the first thing they asked me to do is sing. I don't like singing in public. I don't know the songs. Then they're asking me for money. Then they have these, these terms and things that nobody else knows who wasn't here. And, and I think, again, to, to see worship as being about honoring God and simultaneously being um, understandable to the culture in which we live— is is ultimately reflecting a biblical priority. I'm into that. Hey, yeah. Kurt, thanks an Thank awful you, lot. Kurt. Yeah, really That's good. Well Worship trends. What does that look like, uh, whether at your church or a church that you're going to visit? That's uh, Pastor Kurt Bjorklund from Orchard Hill Church. Orchard Hill Today is heard Monday through Friday at 9.30 a.m. here on 101.5 WORD, Orchard Hill Today. If you snore, the first time you use Mute can be quite an experience. (laughs) I can breathe. I can breathe. Snoring can happen when your nose is blocked, forcing you to breathe through your mouth. 
Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device designed to increase airflow through the nose by gently opening the airways. <laughs> Thanks to Mute, you get all the air you need through your nose and not your mouth, which means less snoring and more chance of sleep. <sighs> That's the best night I've had in years. In trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. To find your local store or for more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. They're not in it for the money. They don't do it for the fame. It's certainly not about the fringe benefits. No, for a Christian teacher... The real reward is found in the everyday triumphs of a child as they learn not only about their world, but discover their unique place in it. This is how love inspires learning. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net. Education for mind and soul. pittsburghchristianschools.net. Providence Presbyterian Church. Washington Alliance Church. Bethlehem Lutheran Church. St. John the Baptist Church. Impact Christian Church. The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop with my patients. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. National Radio Day. Oh, yes. Happy National Radio Day to you, to both of you. 1920. 1920. On this day. We all three love radio. Yeah, we, we don't do. just do it for a living, but we've loved it. Yeah. John, right. your, your favorite radio people. Favorite radio person. Well, I, you know, what drew me to radio initially was listening to Bob Prince. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that crazy nut. I loved him so much. And, of course, you know, having uh, KDKA and listening to Jack Bogart in the morning before you go to school, that's what I did. Uh, Ed Shaughnessy, the uh, party pretzel. Um, the party pretzel. Yeah, remember that? Uh, yeah. yeah, they did that, you know, in the evenings. Okay. Um, I also, you know, the, the grandfather of sort of um, podcasting, This American Life. Oh, terrific which show. I, I love that. Yeah, how about you? Doug Hearth. Oh, uh, of course, Uncle Dougie. Uncle Doug. I also love Dennis Prager. Yep. Personal favorite of mine. Love Glenn Beck. There's something about it, right? That's the honesty is what we're looking for. The intimacy. Radio brings it better than any other medium. Plus, it's a heck of a lot of fun if it's done well. Hey, thanks for being with us, always on our National Radio Ride Day. Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.